0: Well, welcome everybody. Good morning. Uh, I am Ray Harms. This is my wife, Chris, and we have been going to Grace Church for a little over eight years since we moved um, from Florida. And they asked us to just kind of talk about how we ended up here, not necessarily physically, but but uh, spiritually, how we ended up uh, embracing and understanding the Grace message. And it's, uh, it's a work in progress for all of us. But let's uh, start off with a prayer, and then we'll get going. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to live in a place where we can do this. We can meet together and talk about you, and uh, we're grateful for that chance. Help us to share what you want us to share today. um, Speak through us, and pray that this is a blessing to everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So um, I'm just going to kind of start and tell you a little bit about what my experience in the church was before we got married. Um, I grew up in a Methodist church for a while when I was really young, and I have really good memories of that because I was like up to about six or so, and church was fun, church was enjoyable, and you know how it is when you're a kid and you're in kids' church, right? It's a good time, right? It's just just fun. Um, After that, I went to an Assembly of God church and started working, going to Christian school, and... Church was still pretty fun, we learned about God, learned a lot of Bible stories. Uh, I'm old enough and this may date me terribly, but does anybody remember the felt boards yeah, with this? Yeah. We had the big felt boards and they'd put the little characters up there and maybe it was flannel and they'd move them around. So every time I hear somebody reference the Old Testament, that's what's in my head is, is Moses, his paper, and he's got his big staff and all of that. Um, so after we were in the Assembly of God church for a while, we went to some non-denominational churches and that's really where church started to change for me. It wasn't as much fun. It wasn't about Bible stories, but you're almost an adult now, so you've got to get, you get to work. You've got to start focusing on God a little bit more. And so it started to become about um, more work, uh, more focus, more, you know, these are the things you need to start doing. And it wasn't happy. It wasn't exciting. It was uh, like sometimes another job. And it just didn't seem like that's what church should be about, but that's where I was and that was church, so, so go for it, get, get to work. Um, we moved to Ohio right after high school and I went to a really big church down there and their idea of church was at least two and a half hours. Um, praise and worship was 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, there were probably demons around every corner and if you didn't see them, that was on you. Uh, and your experience of God was how much you prayed and how aware you were of the spirit world And if you were doing enough to make sure that was at bay, then maybe there would be some positive. Um, I moved back to Minnesota and went to another large non-denominational church, and they weren't so focused on that as much as they were focused on um, you've got to get to work. There are these 14 things you have to be doing, and if you don't do them, then you're in trouble. And to use a a reference from other programs, I felt like I was constantly in a 12-step program and I was constantly working towards this goal and what I noticed happened is that my relationship with God started to be he was withholding blessing from me that there was something clearly I was not achieving and it was withholding blessing and I I knew enough of the word I spent a year in seminary I, I studied quite a bit and I was like this doesn't seem quite compatible with what I saw with Jesus that's not the way he treated people but clearly I'm missing something. I'm not educated enough, I'm not smart enough, so there must be something I'm missing, so the pastor's clearly right. Um, and that was kind of where I was at. Um, and I remember people saying, if you're not blessed, then you aren't doing enough. I mean, literally from the pulpit, well, you haven't prayed enough, you haven't given enough, and you probably haven't volunteered enough, so move and go and work and do more. And that's kind of where we were at when Chris and I met and got married. So. Yeah. Chris can share what you were thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, my experience growing up, I, it was really limited um, in terms of church experience. We had a little bit of exposure. Um, when I was little, we would occasionally go to a little Methodist church. Um, and then uh, we moved, made a huge move from Canada to New Mexico. and. Um, when we went to New Mexico, we started going, my my mom would take us to um, a Baptist church there and we started going there a little bit and I started learning a little bit about, more about God and um, somewhere in there, I started going to the school that they had in fourth grade and somewhere in all of that, so, so between second and fourth grade, I was, Um, saved and then um, my mom was in a pretty bad accident and after that time we started going to church to this church as a family Um, but we you know we started serving and that kind of thing in the in the church my experience was growing up there though I was um, after initially kind of getting saved and kind of after I started going to the school there I experienced, like, an extreme amount of um, rejection as a a girl growing up in the school and the church, and um, it was horrible. I feel like um, there's a movie called Mean Girls out. I felt like my experience was way worse than that, and it was at the hands of Christians. But during that time, my relationship with God grew in terms of, I drew close to the Lord. My parents, um, my mom especially, was really helpful with that, with just helping me go and do my own thing and grow in my relationship with God and showing me how much, you know, she loved me and they loved me and how much God loved me. So I feel like even though there was all this stuff going on with other people, other Christians, I still had a good relationship with God, and I knew that I could hear Him for myself really well because of that. Um, In high school, I ended up going to to public school. I was still part of the youth group, but I still had a good relationship with God. Um, Then when I went to college, I I did the college thing and took a walk on the wild side. But it wasn't because I was doing it out of rebellion against my parents or against God. It was I was doing out of rebellion against religion. I didn't want anything to do with church anymore because I had seen people act so good on Sunday and be horrible the rest of the week and go out and do all these horrible things the rest of the week. So I was like, whatever. So I just took this you know, walk on the wild side, I ended up getting into um, some uh, just a really dark place in my life at that time. And then when I went to graduate school, I moved again. And when I moved, I had heard about a church. Um, my, my parents had heard about a church there. I knew I needed to make a change for me. So I started going to this really big church that where I happened to be at, and um, <laughs> at the time it was really helpful for me because it approached God from a logical standpoint, but because of that there was a lot of legalism in the church, but it was helpful, helpful for me to kind of come out of you know, that dark place that I had been. <clears throat> so I started trying to do more and do the right things and walk in that way But I felt like, I also felt like because of things that I had done wrong while I was a Christian, that I could never do enough to be good enough for God. I felt like um, Lady Macbeth in the play Macbeth, where she's like trying to clean out the spot of blood, and she's like, out damn spot, out damn spot. I felt like I could never get that spot away from me and that i felt like i was never going to be able to marry a godly christian man because i was not good enough i had done all these things that were wrong while i was a christian but god had other plans
0: (laughs) (laughs) so as um you know i moved back to this church in minnesota where we ended up meeting a few years afterwards and it was I kind of felt the other way. I didn't feel like I was I knew I wasn't good enough, but I like I'd done everything that asked me to do. So why wasn't why weren't things working right? Why were why were why was it just so difficult? And that's I started to become a less happy Christian because life was just hard. The pastor's son who had come back from Asia, he'd gone to Bible school and he came back and they started letting him preach and he started talking about the Bible from a perspective that I had never heard before. And beyond that, he was nice. And now this is going to sound crazy, but I knew him before he went and he wasn't nice. He was a crusty, mean old Marine, if that makes any sense. Okay. So that's who he was, but he wasn't that way anymore. And I'm like, well, if this person changed, then maybe I should pay attention. And what it turned out had happened is he went to a guy's church in Singapore named Joseph Prince. And he started talking about the Bible differently. And I'm like, well, I've bought so many books and read them, what can one more hurt, right, at this point? And I started reading his book, and it was as though I'd never read the Bible before. Right. So all of a sudden, the things that I had heard before, it was all scripture, mostly scripture I was familiar with, it was like, huh, <laughs> how, how is this possible? And it's not like in a day everything changed, it's a process because I've had to yank out thinking. I think of some of my my thinking before as weeds in a garden, which we all get to deal with here in Florida. You've got to go in, and if you let them sit too long, they get really nasty and ugly, and you've got to yank and yank and yank. And so I feel like, you know, even having been thinking about this this way for 10 or more years, I'm still pulling weeds out. But that's where things started to get different and change um, for us, and that was prior to us moving here.
1: Yeah. Um, for me, things... I, When that pastor came back and started teaching some stuff, I was like, Oh, okay, this is different. Not sure, I think I like it. We had come down here a couple times to visit my parents, and we had actually come to Grace Church a couple times as visitors, and we're kinda like, I'm not sure if I agree with what they're saying. If we ever move to Florida, I don't think we're gonna go there. But um, um, Yeah. (laughs) One of the things, too, um, at the church that we were at in Minnesota, one of the things they really stressed was time. So you had to serve. If you were doing anything or partaking anything in that church, you had to serve. And so for us, we also had, um, you know, our kids were in kids' church there. So we were serving our time in, in the children's ministry, but after our third son was born, <clears throat> he would not stay. He would not stay in the nursery. He would not stay in classes. So we had to back out of that, and that was like a big eye opener for me because we started. Um, I don't know, not being excommunicated, but but it felt like it. We were shunned basically yeah. in a lot of things just because my son couldn't stay in the nursery. So we. You know had to not be able to give our time in that area and um god used that time to still we ended up being at home more and so we started listening more than to grace messages and really before we moved to florida we weren't going to church there anymore we were listening to services from this church we would watch and we would watch together as a family which was a really cool thing for me because my older two kids were watching it with us. And for you know little kids at the time to just be drawn to that message, I'm like, well, something must be right here with what we're hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when we moved to Florida, we started coming here. We didn't come here because my parents were here. We came here because we were hungry for that grace message and this hearing things differently.
0: So, so this other pastor who I'd mentioned who we'd seen his life transformed. They let him preach for a while, and then they let him not preach, and so that's kind of when we started stepping away, because like, well, I want to hear from that guy, Uh, you know, and they would send him out to satellite churches, so sometimes we'd follow him around, or we'd pull up his messages online, because it was, that's what we understood. That's how our lives were, we felt being uh, enriched. Uh, As I mentioned before, I um, started reading the Bible, and one of the passages that to this day still just, I literally wondered if they had never had it in my version of the Bible before. But (laughs) I remember not long after looking at some of this and seeing uh, Joseph Prince's message, reading Galatians three, one. And can you imagine, I think of this often or whenever I read it, can you imagine standing up in church and having the pastor say, hey, you bunch of idiots, what are you doing? (laughs) Right, I mean, because that's (laughs) kind of the message that Paul is saying. He's saying, you crazy Galatians, and this is from the message translation, did somebody put a spell on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Uh, foolish, uh, the, uh, the idea is that you're dim-witted or you're dull of sense. You're not really paying any attention here. Something crazy has happened to you, for it's obvious you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. What was I focusing on? I was focusing on the to-do list. Right. I'm a guy. We like lists. We like to get stuff done. And that's how my experience of, well, of Christianity do. had been there. I'm sorry.
1: Some guys. Do. Some guy. OK, I, that's <laughs> me. OK, that's me, at
0: least. Um, was it so uh, just lost my place. Uh, it's obvious you don't have that in focus anymore. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Right. W- what have you missed here? Uh going forward, let me put this message to, this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God, or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? And as I read that, it literally was like I had never seen it before. And literally, I had been in a dark room, and somebody flipped the lights on, and you're like, huh, what? And so to this day, I read it frequently just to remind me. Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. And that really started changing my thinking and my action. It's not that we shouldn't work. Work is a good thing. But we can't work enough to be blessed by God. We can't work enough to gain salvation. That's all done for us by simply accepting Christ. And I know that's very simple but boy, I had never understood it that way before or I understood it and I'd walked away from it. For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss but certainly will be if you keep this up. So I'm like, wow, Paul wrote this just for me, clearly. Um, answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides for you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives that you could never do for yourself, does he does these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust in him to do them? To this day, I still, I I can't get past this. Don't, uh, Don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed God. And the act of belief was turned into a life that was right with God. At my old church, he would bring up Abraham all the time, that it was, you know, his work was acquitted to him as righteousness. And looking at Paul's discussion of this really helped me change the way I think. Um, if we think right, we believe right. And if we believe right, we act right. And that that process makes such an enormous difference. So it's not that we didn't have the word, it's that we didn't understand it the right way. We didn't have that right illumination. And then, I don't know about you, but once you see this, you can't unsee this again. And so once I had a better grasp of Galatians 3, now the rest of the word looks different. Now it's like they put it in my language instead of some other translation I was trying to read. And that is what truly helped me understand that my relationship with God isn't about what I do, it's about what he's already done. And so now the gap is closed, and I realize that if I'm not feeling close, it's me not feeling close. It's not because God has stepped away or because I didn't do something that I should have done. And that's changed my experience of Christianity.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm thankful that my kids have grown up, you know, now with this knowledge and understanding. Um, They know and, and we know his love for us. And the thing about it is like, they know they can be real with him. We know we can be real with God. It encourages, grace encourages that reality with a, like just a real genuine relationship that I feel like I had, you know, as a, a younger child growing up where I, I could just see how much God loved me. And when you're confident in that, um, knowledge and, and my kids are confident in that knowledge of him it doesn't matter like you can talk to God about when you're mad at him when you're um, frustrated with a situation you know you can you can just pour out your heart to him and it doesn't have to be with a religious context it can be a real context where he is your best friend he's your father he loves you Unconditionally, and I'm so grateful that my kids have that because I see the way they interact in um, circumstances in life and with their friends, and they just have that confidence in who God is in their life. So they aren't there's no fear, there's no fear about things, and if things happen, they can get over that, they can get past that. Faster, because of their relationship with God, they don't think God caused something to happen to them. They don't think they caused something to happen by something they didn't do. Yeah. Um, it just it's it's really real. And then for me as a parent, you know, I feel like I can trust God with them. I can trust God with with everything. And if something happens, I know God's going to work it out. To be okay, Um, you know. I I guess the other thing is, is that you feel like you didn't, even if you miss it, even if you miss it. God is bigger than that. He can fix it. So I'm just so Uh, grateful for that.
0: I use this example. I heard it many years ago, but. We still have this idea, it seems like in the church, and I still wrestle with this, that if you miss the boat here, then God clearly can't, can't bless you. But yeah. at the same time, think about that for a minute. Do you really think that we're smart enough to screw up God's plan? Do you, realize, do you really think we have that impact? I mean, the example I heard is God doesn't look at you and then lean over to Jesus and go, I didn't see that coming, now what are we gonna do? <laughs> really? Really? No, no, clearly. That's, that's not the case. Um, but as my relationship changed, I was no longer thinking that God's holding back. If something hasn't happened, then because it's because of his timing. It's not because he doesn't love me or that he doesn't care uh, or that um, the example you used a lot of times is you guys, I think we're all old enough to remember the combination locks, right, on our lockers in high school. And um, you turn them one way, then another way, and then another way, and it felt like that was what my relationship was. I've got two of the, com- the, the numbers, but I don't have the third one. And I can't quite get that lock open, Um, and that that was was challenging. Uh, It's not about our performance. God rested, and we can finish His work. Uh, Hebrews four, the author talks about entering into rest. And I I honestly, I'm not sure I have a full grasp of this scripture, but I think I understand it a little better. But it made no sense to me before because I'm like, well, yeah, God rested; He's God, but I can't rest. I got to get to work, and I've got to do more, and I've got to do more, and I've got to do more. So in Hebrews four. Uh, It says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today, let us in fear, in case any one of you uh, seem to have come short of reaching it or think he has come too late. So it's like, oh, wait a minute, I can come to rest? How can I come to rest? I have to get back to work. For indeed, we've had the good news preached to us, just as the Israelites had the views of the promised land, but it didn't benefit them because it was not united with faith in God from those who heard. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe that he was going to do what he said he would do. And so he goes on there and he walks through it. But in verse 10, he says, for the one who has entered his rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors, just as God rested from those labors uniquely on his own. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest. And so to me, this began to change. It's not that I don't work. There's plenty of work to do, but I need to work and and set aside the, the pain. And what this reminds me of every time is that you know when the curse came into the world, Part of the curse is that we now have to toil and there's this labor, but Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. We're redeemed from that. And so that's how we can enter into rest is in knowing that God has taken care of this. God has redeemed us from this curse, not because we're smart, not because we've done A, B, or C, but simply because Jesus died for our sins. Mm-hmm. And I was making it so complex. And as Paul said, hey, pay attention. It's not that hard. And if it is that hard, I think we're missing something. And so that that's forever. Galatians three just looks different. And entering into that rest that it's okay. If you screw up, it's okay. God's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And that we should rest, not in our own efforts, but resting in the finished work and what, what Jesus has done.
1: You know what Ken you said about that? I loved his attitude. He said, I put it in the Lord's hand and go to
0: sleep and I sleep well. Yeah, <laughs> that's yes. great, yeah. We need yeah. to put it in god's hands because what can we do about it anyway i'm not i'm not that smart i'm not that gifted i'm not that talented to be able to fix these problems i mean look around at our world today you know i mean it's 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 god and god alone and there's nothing nothing else there you're good yeah okay well then i'll finish up with prayer um god thank you for today thank you for um opening our vision helping us to see, helping me to see what you're really trying to say in your word. And thank you for um, giving us the opportunity to come together and share a little bit about what's changed for us. And I pray that this uh, helps someone here, helps someone who listens to it later. And I thank you for the opportunity today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.